This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, I'm Andy Hakes, and I'm the founder and CEO of Air Expert. And I would say that probably the best thing that I love about travel is how small it makes the world. Um, uh, I was reminded as we came over on the airplane, uh, one, of the, one of the things that really appeals to me is that when you're flying, um, there are no borders. Borders are uh, insignificant and non-existent. Hello, this is Trip Higgins, Vice President of Business Development for Air Experts. And what I love about travel is the opportunity. It gives you to explore, see, and enjoy new cultures, places, and people. Thank goodness that airlines put so much importance on safety. But with incredible infrastructure comes vast inefficiencies. Coming up, you'll hear from a startup that built an entire aviation maintenance company to better create a practical technology application specifically for aviation maintenance. It's also a great playbook for creating a startup in a secondary market. You'll hear how local pride may have played an important role in the success of this startup. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Andy Tripp, thanks for coming to hang out with me and Beth today. Uh, I had a question for you right off the bat, um, based on what you guys have been working on. What, are the, what do you consider the key roles that communication plays in aviation? Andy, I'll let you go first. It's kind of a softball. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that uh, communication kind of reigns supreme across every element of travel, but I would say that the two primary areas um, are both on the operational side, so being able to uh, have good communication or excellent communication between the people who are um, out at airplanes, who are trying to make sure that passengers are able to get from uh, point A to point B. Um, and on the other side of that, I would say it's the communication that exists between um, the travel companies and those people. Um, those are two areas in which we focus on. Um, and uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. So could you maybe elaborate a little bit about sure. how, how you know, each part of it is, is played into Air Expert? Um, in, in, uh, in, with regards to Air Expert, um, there's a lot of communication that's necessary in order to be able to affect situations that are that are occurring between people who are uh, working remotely. In the airline industry, you get a lot of people who work uh, in adjacent roles, but very uh, rarely work together. Uh, they're physically separated. It's a highly fragmented space. Um, and a lot of uh, situations sort of develop on the fly. Um, having uh, communication tools and resources to be able to manage um, those situations on the fly as they develop um, is absolutely crucial. It's a great um, pun, by the way. I don't know, an illusion. On the fly, it just really worked out. <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> the, um, I'd like to take credit for that. But, yeah. <laughs> but so there's there's instances of things uh, kind of in, in the industry where people are remote working that, that the communication has been broken down in the past because uh, I feel like this is something that a lot of people have solved for in other industries. Where, where do you see the big kind of barriers for communication in, in aviation right now? I think that one of the biggest barriers um, is, is the fact that um, there's a lot of outsourcing in the industry. 
Um, there's a lot of uh, that, that fragmentation, a lot of uh, independent companies that don't share a lot of resources, that don't have that, that aren't con- connected uh, organically as they may be uh, within the within the four walls of a large corporation. Um, so you get a airline um, that uh, um, that relies on you know uh, uh, outsourced um, outsourced vendors across you know their entire network. Um, that's a real challenge. Um, you've got high turnover in the industry, um, and there's a lack of training. Everybody, uh, everybody kind of does things in their own fashion. Doesn't really have a, um, uh, there's there's very little in the way of standardization for communication. So maybe I'd be interested. How does not to get like too specific yeah. on your like, basically your pitch, but like what what is Air Expert? do to, to kind of solve that specifically. Sure. So, yeah. so air expert is really a, it's a communication channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's some workflow pieces in there, but it's really a communication channel that serves as that standardized link, um, that kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, tears down the walls between people, um, and makes it easy for everyone to communicate in the same space on a moment's notice or on the fly, if you will. Mm, got it. So how do you guys solve for these unique challenges of the aviation industry with things like training um, and then also just having such a mobile workforce, right? You don't want, or at least in, in um, an operational role um, for folks out there on the tarmac to be looking at their phones all the time and they also don't have a laptop in front of them, right? So how do you solve for that? I think this is where, you know, a bit of the, the brilliance and the simplicity of what we've done at Air Expert of taking, for example, an unscheduled maintenance event, which sort of puts people under a, a, a condensed time frame. Uh, I'm going to stop you there for a second. Okay. So our listeners aren't necessary, necessarily aviation folks. Okay. It's a lot of people who are startup founders who might just be interested in hospitality. So language like unplanned maintenance event, you're going to have to describe okay. a little bit more. Sure. And I totally get why you would I say get- that because you know I used to work for an airline, but most of our listeners will not know what that is. Okay. <laughs> So uh, I think the, the brilliance of our, our solution and the simplicity of that is we've all been there waiting for our flight. We've gotten there early, gotten through our checkpoints to find out that there is a, a maintenance delay. There's something wrong with the plane, and it can be anything from very something very simple to something that's a little more complicated. And the communication tools, the tools we use are, are email, phone, and fax. Yeah, because of the fragmented nature, because you have – the vast majority of people that work on your aircraft can be of a third-party nature. So uh, a group that works with 20 different airlines doesn't necessarily work with yours. Um, and they're using email, phone, and fax to communicate sometimes very complicated and detailed operational uh, instructions. And that, uh, as you know, it's really hard to have a conversation over email. Yeah. Really hard. And it's certainly not real time. Let alone to book a flight, right? Like if, if you ever get into that space. Right. So, so the, the brilliance here is we've taken really very recognizable tools uh, using video, photos, um, the phone, um, and then instant messaging to replace the email, phone, and fax and making it universal. So no matter who you work for, um, you can all join an event in a secure environment using uh, – these assets that give you real-time information and 
essentially puts you with the mechanic on the plane, no matter where you are in the world. So I'd rather be on a beach being on that plane in Buffalo in the snow, kind of looking at it going, yes, we should effectively handle this problem this way. And uh, it's been it's been really amazing to watch it watch it work. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. It sounds like some of the issues that you guys are solving for are ones that might be experienced in, in industries outside of aviation. Are there any plans for you to scale and address it in, in other, other areas? So what you said makes perfect sense, and we do hear that all the time. Um, there's many times in conversation we'll be speaking with someone who uh, you know who works in a, a, an industry where they use a lot of heavy machinery um, or some sort of specialized tooling, specialized equipment. When they see what we do, um, nat- the conversation naturally gravitates to, okay, this would this would work great in our industry. Um, the inclination is absolutely to to explore that. Um, yet at the same time, we have to be careful that we really remain focused on our niche. We've got a tremendous amount of domain expertise in our niche. Um, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of room um, for improvement in this space. Um, so, you know, for the foreseeable future, we probably will remain um, in aviation. But there are absolutely those uh, those opportunities out there. Yeah. What other startups do you guys see and kind of look to to benchmark against who are sol- sol- solving for these operational challenges? Because I think there's, you know, John and I see all day long startups that are solving for, I won't say that the operational side of maintenance is not sexy, but <laughs> people, <sucked>. might not <laughs> be, people might not be as aware of it as other right. changes in our space right. or, excuse me, challenges in our space. So what other startups do you see in the maintenance and operations side that you think are kind of success stories that you look to? It's interesting. I think that, um, I think that there are a lot of um, companies out there that are in a, a sort of an adjacent space to ours. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's uh, clear indicators of success yet. Um, this, you know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of interest and a lot of activity in uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. Um, and while I think that there is indeed a lot of opportunity there, um, I think we also have to recognize that this is that we're in an industry that has that you know is traditionally probably about ten to twenty, perhaps even more years. Um, uh, it, you know, that operates in the, in the, in the past. And so we have a lot of catching up. To do. <laughs> That's That's very elegant. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, so I think there are a lot of opportunities out there. I think that those companies are going to need an awful long runway to be able to implement solutions that genuinely work in the space. And when you're, when you're, um, approaching an airline or and that's actually my question i guess your go-to-market on this do you approach individual airlines with the solution or is it the maintenance crews what is like the because it's since it's an outside provider servicing many others how does that approach work it uh it it's approaching airlines directly um and all the facets um that make up that airline so the the sea level uh down from the maintenance level up um because they're all using it and looking at it uh, for different advantages. You know, the sea level is looking for something. What is the ROI? And if I'm going to spend money on it, what do I save or what do I earn? Um, and we like to look at we can get your aircraft back to revenue service faster and more efficiently you know, than what is happening now. You know, so much so that our cost is inconsequential um, to looking at the mechanics 
they they want to use something that makes their job more enjoyable. They're under you know a lot of stress and time constraints. Weather plays a huge factor, <laughs> and uh, when they're using our our tool, it uh, it takes a huge burden off because they can really be effective, uh, and they uh, you can see sort of that joy on their face. Sounds a little strange, but there is this. No, I believe oh, it. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So you know, is there a is there an opportunity to approach, say, the maintenance company, the outsourced maintenance company, and have them be your evangelists across all 20 airlines that they deal with? Or have you found it more effective to have the airlines come? I don't know if you've approached both markets, but I'm curious. It's, it's, a, it's a great question. So, you know, we have, we have a number of different conversations that we have with different parties based on their own individual motivations. Um, the question uh, regarding, you know, the, those, uh, the, the vendors that work with, you know, a number of airlines, those are absolutely conversations that we have. Um, there, you know, some of those companies look at our product, our solution as, as a, as being a way to improve the, the level of service, uh, that they're able to provide to their customers. Um, so that's a, that's a win for them and for us. Um, and, uh, airlines look at it as, as a way, um, to have a uniform and structured means of communication, um, and that workflow processing between be, between all the all these vendors, um, this you know the space that Trip mentioned, um, you know makes up about eighty ninety percent of a of an airline's overall market. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for there to be a lot of structure uh, within that. Yeah, to, to piggyback on that, it, it's it's funny talking to airlines. Sometimes their first question is not only who's using it, but also what third party maintenance group is using it. And they might mention a few particulars. Yeah. So if you can say, yes, they're very much aware of this and really looking forward to being a part of a pilot with you and showcasing how this can improve the overall performance. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's looking for somebody else to, uh, are they using it? Did they start it? What do they think of this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're building that consensus pretty quickly. That's cool. I'm curious too to just take a little bit of a step back. How did the idea or the concept for this startup come about? And then how did you guys get it off the ground and actually decide to take the leap of faith and build it? Do we have about three hours? <laughs> no. I can, give, I, hour. I, I can yeah. give you a good time. <laughs> and give using you diapers con- when the idea came yeah. out. Pretty, pretty much so. Let's, let's say this. I had no gray hair when this whole thing started. Um, <laughs> Um, I've been in the aircraft maintenance industry for for 30 years. Actually, 2019 is makes 30 years for me. Um, in that time, uh, spent time working for uh, larger airlines, smaller airlines, medium sized airlines, um, aircraft operators that uh, that operate uh, business aircraft. Um, and really, what I learned throughout that uh, period was that everybody has the exact same pains. Some some airlines to you know to a certain degree, but everyone's feeling the exact same pains. Um, this started out as an idea, as merely an idea with no business model behind it, longer ago than I care to admit. Um, and actually, when the technology did not exist to support it. Um, so after several iterations and going go arounds uh, trying to develop it. Um, and trying to build a team to develop it. Um, we finally were able to do that. We were able to uh, raise some outside capital. Um, and I would, I would say that with, without a doubt, the, the biggest component of that was being able to assemble a team. Um, what we've got now um, is we've got, a, we've got a team in which we've um, – a very experienced team, a team that's got uh, some, some 
rather significant exits behind them. Um, and, uh, we're able to leverage that domain expertise that we have, combine that with the development talent that we have. And then the other, uh, aspects of business management, um, to really have something that, that really works and is really, uh, saleable. So what have been your biggest challenges in the last, in that, that time frame that you just described of getting it from the just concept to a real, a real live company with outside capital? The, uh, I would say that the, the, the first part of that, that's been, that would, that had been a challenge for a long time was actually getting that first infusion of capital. Um, you know, we're over in Buffalo, New York, um, and Buffalo, New York has traditionally been a market in which it's been extraordinarily difficult to raise external capital. Uh, fortunately over the last several years that really has changed and turned around, turned around. Um, uh, but that was probably the biggest hurdle that we, uh, that we, that we had to overcome. Why didn't you relocate at the time then? Um, I'm a Buffalo guy. Yeah, right. I'm a, cool. I'm a Buffalo guy. I love it. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, you know, born, raised um, with a little bit of luck. My last days will be in, in Buffalo, hopefully not soon. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, and, and at the same time, there's always been a fair amount of talent there, um, but you have to be able to hire talent. And it's, of course, it takes capital, a little bit, at least a little bit of capital to be able to hire that talent. Um, so, you know, whereas being in a small market, it has some, it or it, it, um, um, it, it I guess, be trying to operate and and build a business in a small market um, has some challenges and some roadblocks, um, but it also creates some opportunities. Right. Um, we've got we've got very tight networks um, in Buffalo, and and they're relatively easy to navigate. Um, so that really, um, you know, that that that's a huge factor that. Uh, um, that over the last year, uh, last couple of years, we've been able to overcome. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you on the, if there was another challenge no. that you had wanted to bring up. Um, there's so many of them, it's hard. To... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll take a break. Uh, you let's, let's get back into that in our second segment, but you guys brought us something to, to nom on today. What, it, what is it? A little, did it. A little. Is there a story behind it or is it, uh, is it more I, like it's a couple stories? So it's, it's a, actually, it's a grouping of things. We can probably eat at least two of the things right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool, man. These, these are, these are not. The suspense is killing me. Yes. yes. So the chips are an important part of the next, next component of what <laughs> is, uh, the famous bison chip dip. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is unlike any chip dip you've had. It. Uh, oh, wow. Now be, be careful, Bess. You need to share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna for those you know on on air. Um, I was just handled handed a giant um, ounce. How how many ounces do we think are this? Twelve ounces of French onion dip. Yes. <laughs> It uh, and and when you when you do chip uh, dip that chip in there, yeah, you will you'll notice a distinct flavor that is somewhat addictive. So I just warn you now. <laughs> wow. And I'm All gonna right. go. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that no one has actually ever brought hot dogs. Not ever. But these are these are Buffalo's best right here. I realize that New York has its own you know favorite hot dogs, but these are really good. <laughs> All right. Are, can we eat these raw? Is it like, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you, it wouldn't be the first time. That best, best, <laughs> best on a grill. No. 
higher heat, keep rolling them until they start to just split a little bit and they're charred ever so lightly and then you will be very happy to uh, yes. put that on a bun or just cut that up as is. This is awesome. Thank Love you. It. This is called Salins, right? <laughs> awesome. Let's Love dig it. into this. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Coming up, you'll hear about the challenges of entering the aviation industry and how Air Expert overcame them. If you like funny people talking, I think maybe you should check us out. That's Elsie, the producer for Funny People Talking. I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts. And also with me is... Danielle, I'm one of the other hosts. And you know what, Elsie? I actually think you're a funny person. And on the show, you do talk. So it really lives up to its name. So if you love great interviews that have a lot of heart, improv comedy, and just a really fun discussion, you should check out the podcast Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. Because I think this is one of the best podcasts, don't you, Elsie? Well, duh. What about you, Danielle? Well, duh. And what about you, all the listeners out there? So you must believe all these people. We don't lie at all. But we are funny. Listen to Funny People Talking every Monday and really anytime. It's a podcast. Yeah, and... We don't lie. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So, Trip, Andy, um, I, you know, it's, it's something that we've seen, actually, even on this, on this podcast in the past, when our guest Bob Albert was here, he, he was explaining that Selling to airlines and, and selling them a product can be very, very difficult. And it took him like seven years or something, I think he said on the, on the podcast. But um, so how, how are you able to approach an airline? What does that sales cycle look like for you personally? And what are some of the hurdles that you've had to come over in terms of bringing airlines on board for the product? Well, Andy, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with that. I think we uh, certainly getting their attention. We fortunate to work with Andy, and he's got amazing relationships now and has had conversations with anybody you know, within an airline, from a baggage handler uh, and, and a flight crew member to, to a CEO. So we're able to start the conversation and, and have that relationship. Uh, we have a great story to tell now. Yeah, <clears throat> the challenges have been that, unfortunately, we're up against a lot of failed technology uh, projects that have cost millions of dollars, have taken just tremendous amounts of time and people right. and years. Um, so when you come to them and say that, well, this just works and it's in a space that hasn't been touched and that we can affect change rapidly and in a very positive direction, it's it's hard for them at, at first to go, really? Um, so we've worked really hard to be able to showcase that and show it right away in real time. Um, and do what our product does best. Yeah, communicate and create a workflow that is universal. It doesn't matter who's touching it. No one's struggling to, you know, turn it on and use it. 
very similar to an iPhone and a two-year-old. They just intuitively know what to do and how to get to what they want. You know, and we've seen that now throughout the uh, the system with anybody that touches it. It's not a, a lot of trepidation going, oh, my God, am I going to break it if I hit this button? Yeah, they get it. I can take a video. I can take a photo. I can look at the document that was just dropped, and I can have a real-time conversation. Yeah, and it's been it's been awesome to watch that that happen. Is there are there like safety regulations around what you're what you're selling in too? Like, because I know that any operational aspects of an airline basically have to run through sure. several processes. That yeah. Way. So I'll take I'll take just a step back to add something to what Trip also said. So a number of years ago, um, I had a conversation with the CEO of a um, uh, I, I would say a medium sized company, um, and their their product was geared towards solving some very specific problems in several verticals, and one of those verticals being aviation. When I had the conversation with him, um, he admitted that they weren't targeting aviation anymore. He said it's simply too difficult a market to try and penetrate, and I, and I could certainly appreciate that. Um, didn't necessarily agree, but um, – um, but but that you know certainly is a perception. So we knew going in that we were going to have to do something a little bit differently in order to be able to walk in the door and sell to airlines. Um, so what we did is um, at the same time that we actually started developing software, um, we opened up an aircraft maintenance company that that exists to this day. So we um, we have a sister company um, that supports. I think we're at sixteen or seventeen airlines. Um, and that's Genius. a great way to to, to, <laughs> to get the conversation started. So the people that we're uh, the people that we're selling to are the exact same people that we're supporting on a daily basis. So the the relationships are, are there. <laughs> Only in the aviation wow. industry is that like to launch your company, you have to completely launch a different company. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So and, true. and being from Buffalo, you have a resiliency to yourself. So when somebody says it can't be done, you're like. We do believe the Bills will be in the Super Bowl again, and, <laughs> and so it's that it's that hardcore belief and, and that hard hard wiring of of, uh, of being from Buffalo that allows us to to go. No, no, we we're not going to have that first door shut on us and then stop. It is <laughs> moving Love forward. It. Well, that Love helps it. with the then the the original question I had about safety regulations because okay. you already you already not so just so it doesn't seem like you're going off sure off yeah, in that yeah. that's like. You guys have already handled that from the yeah. manufacturing so, uh, side or the yeah, maintenance side. Exactly. So we understand we understand how to exactly how to navigate that. Um, um, you know, the, being able to being able to support the airplanes on a regular basis, we understand what the you know what the parameters we have to work within are, um, and and we've designed the solution around that. Um, fortunately, since since the point that we started designing and developing. Um, we've also maintained a relationship with the FAA um, and made sure that um, that you know that everything was in, was in compliance. We've gotten a lot of uh, opinions from them, and as of uh, let's see, about probably a little over a year ago, uh, the FAA actually issued some guidance that was not specific to our product, but specific to the use of technology in the space. Hmm. Um, essentially, what it ended up being was you know and and. Um, for anyone who isn't familiar with the process, um, you know, the, there are some very specific uh, r repair protocols and procedures and processes that you absolutely must use. However, um, the FAA doesn't care if you fix an airplane with a screwdriver that's made by craftsmen or 
or snap on as long as you remain within that framework or those per, uh, parameters. Um, so that's really the way we've that, that, that we've kind of uh, uh, navigated our way through that. That's terrific. It's really, so specialized. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other side of things, kind of putting my VC hat on, I'm really interested in what the ecosystem is in Buffalo. You mentioned mm-hmm. that, that, you know, at the beginning it was tough because there weren't a lot of investors doing um, venture investing in that ecosystem. I'm curious if there were um, any constraints on hiring talent out there um, and just finding mentors. I, I would say that uh, I would say that mentors are still in somewhat short supply, even though that has improved over the last five or six years. So, if you were to, if you were to look out, look at, at uh, take a snapshot of Buffalo twenty years from now, I would say that in terms of a success story, Buffalo will rank up as one of the one of the top ones and one of the most notable ones, um, and 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 one that occurred over a very short amount of time. Um, the reason I say that mentors are probably still a little bit of short supply is because typically your mentors are the people who have been there, done that, had the exits, had the experiences. Um, right now, we're still in this cycle of of a lot, you know, a lot of early stage startups um, and companies that are that are you know slowly moving along and 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 seeing various levels of of success um, in terms of. What we've been able to do and, what, and the, the talent that we've been able to um, bring over to our project, um, there's one startup in particular um, that has it, it is that, you know, they've seen the hockey stick uh, trajectory over the last several years. Um, and some of their talent um, has come over and 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 gotten involved with our project. Um, so. Um, and then how about on the fundraising side? You talked a little about talent and mentorship. How did that work for you? Because I think a lot of our listeners would be interested to know what that process was like. Mm-hmm. Um, also, again, through the lens of coming from the Buffalo ecosystem. Yeah. So so what we did was we um, we raised some outside capital from angels, which, again, was, was absolutely not easy. Um, uh, the angel investor community in Buffalo, um, very, um, um, very risk averse, un- understandably so to a degree, but, uh, but, but certainly not on par with, uh, you know, with a lot of other cities and regions that have a, you know, high level of, of, of venture activity. Um, we raised enough money to be able to get us through, um, several milestones. And, and to be honest at that, when we did, we didn't really understand exactly what those milestones were. Um, but, they were enough. We raised enough to get us to a point um, where we could prove that there was a viable business model in place, um, that we understood our market, and that we could get some small, you know, seem somewhat significant uh, indications of traction to be able to to be able to raise more. Um, during that time, I guess we we're kind of uh, we we're, we're fortunate in the sense that Buffalo's um, the, the, the financial, uh, and, and venture, uh, um, markets started to improve and a lot of, a lot of, um, outside money started to flow into the Buffalo and, uh, and Western New York region. Um, and we've absolutely been, been beneficiaries of that. Um, so with, along with the money, um, came talent also. What do you think of, uh, you know, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, add, yeah. add to that. I think the, the nature of Buffalo being, a a 
a smaller community with very tight networks, uh, being able to use those networks and take advantage of some of the successes of companies that came in with the talent. Uh, people were willing to, to put a lot of effort for very little capital, if any, just for an opportunity to be a part of something that they believed in and wanted to uh, move forward. So we did take advantage of of what is sort of naturally the Buffalo ecosystem of helping people. Right. City of Good Neighbors uh, is is true. Yeah, and then having the advantage of of some startups that started to work and the talent that it attracted, you then could put together a team that you know that made made what we have work. Reminds me of like early tech scene in New York, right? When New York City, I mean, more specifically in general, with people being just excited about building a new concept and building the, the community up. The um, You mentioned hiring talent quite a bit. Uh, I'd be curious if, if the challenge is um, more specific to tech talent in the Buffalo region or if it's about the specialized nature of, you know, aviation tech. I, mean, I know you're not necessarily always having to integrate with every aviation platform but yeah. you know is it where's where's the biggest hurdle for you in the in the on the talent side so if if you would have asked me 10 years ago what our company would look like what the makeup of our company would look like i would have guessed that we'd have a number of people that had domain expertise specific to the aviation industry um the reverse is true, or, or we, we simply don't. We, we've got, a, we've got a, a handful of people that have domain expertise in aviation. However, um, there are a lot of people um, who, who, who bring a completely fresh perspective to this. Um, hiring talent um, at this point has not been difficult for us because we're, you know, because, because we're not looking for people with, with that aviation background. Embracing those perspectives and the successes that they've had in, in other markets, it's amazing when you bring that together how relatable it is mm -hmm. and how it does open up what can be done. Because a lot of people go, oh, no, no, you can't do that. And that uh, just drives me nuts. You're like, well, <laughs> we're not talking to the right people. <laughs> right. <laughs> because this can be done. Yeah. And when you do collect people from different backgrounds, you end up having these perspectives that allow you to do things yeah, in a different innovative way that um, starts to change the paradigm of of an industry that said no, this this can't be done. There is no solution. Up next, we get personal with Trip and Andy. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstopodcast.com. Ah. Okay, this question may be a little 
bit contentious, but knowing what you guys now know about aircraft maintenance, do you feel more or less safe flying? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what my answer is, but I want to let trip. We can end out that pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, not coming from the airline industry and, and looking at it with the a very different lens. Uh, I've learned a lot about what goes into aircraft maintenance. Uh, and luckily being connected to Andy and, and watching and, and seeing that that process. Uh, the one thing is that people do care, which to me means a lot. They're not uh, sort of walking through their job. They know that what they're doing, people's lives can depend on that. And I think the culture within the the industry, no matter where we've gone across the country and who we've talked to, now they all take safety really, really seriously. It is ingrained. So I, I do feel comfortable. Um, in the same time, I look forward to making that process even better you know, and ultimately safer in the long run. That was very well, that was very diplomatic. I loved it. <laughs> so, yes or no? <laughs> it's gonna be hard to my, get that out of me. My my unequivocal response is that it is it has always been a very very safe environment. Um, the culture of safety, the trip mentioned, absolutely in place. So many layers um, that contribute to that from every aspect imaginable. Um, I think that to to their credit, the industry as a whole has always focused on that, and the data is is there it's 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 incredibly safe um i think that um that focus on safety has come at the expense of of performance and efficiency mm. um i think that 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 over the over the decades everyone has always focused on safety and that and and maintaining that uh that framework to make sure that it always exists um um, but there hasn't been that focus on on efficiency and 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 process um, and productivity. So that's that's you know yes, our system is certainly designed to make sure that everything maintains or everything is maintained in a, in a, in a safe manner. Um, but that is only contributing to a, a, to a culture and environment where where safety is already um, absolutely in place. Right. On a on any regular leisure trip, what would you say is the most exciting piece for you? Could be going up and taking off, <laughs> could be going to a party, could be lying on the beach. What is the most exciting and I guess, you know, stimulating part? Uh I I obviously as, as exciting as taking off is and as how exhilarating as a landing can be depending <laughs> on the airport. Yeah. Uh, I think to me it, it's when you when you walk out of the airport in in that area you came to, whether it's in the mountains or the beach, uh, and you smell that air and you you can sort of sit, sense the change in the ecosystem. You're like, wow, I am here, uh, and that anticipation of what you're going to be doing uh, is is my most exciting part of of travel and and leaving my my home and going to an adventure. 
So I'm going to sound a little cliche. And while I'll say that I always enjoy getting to the destination, it's the journey itself. So I'm, you know, a total aviation geek. Um, that, that will not change. Um, cruising, especially over mountains. Um, I, I get a sense of the, the magnitude and the magnificence of where we actually are, what we're doing. I'll look around me and I'll be blown away that people are sitting there with their window shades closed, um, completely oblivious to the outside world, not even giving any thought to the fact that we're, you know, in a metal tube miles in the sky flying along at 600 miles per hour. I've actually got a, uh, um, a, uh, playlist uh, iTunes playlist that uh, is titled Altitude, and it's literally only music that I listen to when I'm when I'm flying. So that is incredibly enjoyable for me. Wow, we've got a real av geek on our hands. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not embarrassed to say so. I at love all. it. I love That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> You're a window seat kind of guy for sure. Then I'll tell never you find what. him in an aisle. I'll tell you what. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm in an aisle seat, that hurts. <laughs> physical pain. (laughs) Well, um, you know, you guys are growing the company right now. I'm sure there's people you'd like to connect with. Um, Who are those types of people and how how can they get in touch with you? Well, uh, I I would say it's it's really anybody and everybody. We've we've had great conversations with CEOs, CFOs, uh, to base managers, to the line mechanic that is is changing that tire or, or touching that, that aircraft. Um, so the easiest way to get a hold of me is through my, my cell phone, 716-200-3564, or you can go to our website, eng.io. Well, as far as conversations we like to have, um, we generally just like to have casual conversations with anybody who is interested in uh, being able to improve the process of getting people from point A to point B. Um, those people tend to fall into several buckets. Um, we like to talk to people, who, the, the the folks that manage uh, maintenance control within an airline and who are responsible for handling all the maintenance events around the system. Um, we like to have conversations with C-level people. We're, we That's one of the reasons we're here in New York right now. Um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm on LinkedIn, Andy Hakes. I tend to be pretty vocal on LinkedIn. I have a lot of views that I like to share, um, whether people agree with them or not. <laughs> but um, uh, or, or as, as Tripp mentioned, uh, our website is a great way to uh, get a hold of us at eng.io. Awesome. Well, um, is there a final thought that you'd like to share? Something, it could be a reflection of what we talked about here. Could be your experiences overall. Yeah, uh, I I think what um, what's really enjoyable for me is when when you are talking to somebody in the airline industry, and this could be, we've had experiences of having a flight delayed and it be two in the morning, and you're there with the the base crew, the the flight crew, and uh, when you can show them the tool and what they might be able to have access to, it is. 10 out of 10 times they go, we're going to be able to have this. We're, we're going to, we're going to be able to see this. Yeah. Um, and then they start bringing their friends over and they're like, John, you got to see this, you know, Joan, Sally, look at this. They just talked to our airline. Wouldn't this be amazing? Yeah. Um, so it does get you psyched. when You do try to find something at two in the morning to do and it. It is, uh, <laughs> it is, is quite enjoyable to go to anybody um, in the airline industry and have them look at this and go, 
Wow. That that's cool. I would draw attention to uh, to something that I have always found pretty cool in the industry, and it's it's probably a thing that a lot of people don't realize. Um, the industry itself, um, the global industry, for as expansive as it is, um, it's incredibly small in the sense that it's a that's a very small community. So just as easy as it is to reach people uh, at an airline here in the United States, um, it's just as easy to have connections, very good connections to people uh, at airlines all, all across the world. Um, and, and one of the things that I've always found interesting that I always like to share um, is that um, that airlines are always collaborating together. So you can have two airlines who are battling it out in court um, on the on the on the revenue side, um, but uh, behind the scenes, for all the technical people, um, they're all helping each other out. They're supporting each other. They're 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 borrowing and 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 loaning parts amongst each other. They're they're uh, they're sharing resources, talent. Uh, they're they're people. Um, um, it's 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 really amazing, and that's one of the things that makes it such a uh, incredibly compelling industry. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for joining us today. This is really great. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. It's fascinating. Thank you for listening to us today. Um, and for Best Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your co-host, John Madsen. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.